Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday. <clears throat> Let's see, we're in the afternoon. Um, I'm going to see if I can take a look at the Parsha uh, as early as we can this week. Today's uh, podcast is sponsored by my good friend Abe Gluck. In memory of his folks, you have Chaim Lazar Shalom Ben Tovi Gedalia and Chayfega Bas Shmaya Mishpachas Klikzer the Neshama Shen Amanaliyah. Thank you very much. I, my attention, I don't know, was drawn for a number of reasons to you know one or two funny aspects of the Avraham story. Then I'm not a hundred percent sure with, but on the opposite, it's uh, tantalizing the uh, questions, and therefore I share the questions and speculation with you as much as anything else, to give you food for thought. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. When we come to these parshas, or any stories of the Elvis and so forth, as maybe I mentioned last week or whatever, you know, they weren't born the way they were, they evolved into that, they developed into that. It's not overnight. The Abram Avina, you think of, that's at the end of the story. <laughs> you know, when he's an old man. Till then, he went through a bunch of stages. That's just how it goes by everybody. Now, I'll tell you what's funny. This morning, I happened to look, you know, what I'm doing these days for my uh, 30-second Musser Seder is um, this book by uh, the Son of Adya. Did I mention this to you? I'm reading through this Save for interesting letters from Avad Yosef's son, Yitzhak Yosef, who's now the the, the uh, Sparty chief rabbi of Israel. It's called Igras Hashkafa Musar. Igras Hashkafa Musar. And um, obviously, and, and I picked it up in a funny way in the bookstore. I, there's another one from the father, and I got it, then had Nakudos. I bought that set, and then this is from the son, even though it's done them Nakudos. <laughs> but I started reading it, it's very interesting to me. I don't know if I mentioned this before. And I read two or three pages or two or three letters um, in the morning. And basically, he's the Sparty chief rabbi. Uh, and it seems that a lot of yeshiva guys send him letters with their problems in life. And he's responding it to the best he can. And I find it very interesting, his responses. Um... He talks about having Yish and with their Halimud and other problems you have. He's a very balanced type of guy based on what I'm reading. And one of the parts I like about him and his father is a similar book of um, maybe the son put it together. It's called Igaris Labentorov. Maybe you've seen it. That I picked up called the Kudos. But um, I like the eclectic system that you always find in Vad Yosef. And it's somewhat they quote right and left as everybody knows. They varf a lot. And you get to see things that ordinarily you won't see. And this morning, uh, apropos of this Parsha and what I was thinking about, he had a little piece from Ralph Huttner. I never read. I can't say I'm a Ralph Huttner person. I'm from Baltimore, Rabbi Rudiman. You know, it's a different type altogether. 
And uh, he's writing to a guy in Yeshiva, uh, the Abad Yosesan, and he's quoting from this part from the Pachad Yitzhak, the Igris Sixov. I actually have that volume. I forget why I got it for a biography reason or something, but I never, I hardly ever open it. And it's one of these questions, as he says over here, Amidah b'nisyonot ha'chayim. Right? The kid, whoever's writing to him, has nisyonot b'chayim. Has nisayons. Uh, and I think it's very nice he's writing to this guy, this Vad uh, son, you know, for, for, for help. Hadrachah. And he quotes, in response, he quotes, among other things, from a footnote of Pachet Yitzhak, and it says, Hagon Hutner Sifra Pachidisa Kosala Talmud Hamislonina Mikshalim Viridos Minosize that apparently some Talmud was running to Hutner long ago about stumblings, you know, Mikshalim Viridos and Vzet Tochen Dvarov. And he says, to summarize what Hutner said, it was as follows Ro Choli He at Slainu, it's a big problem. Shakesh Mishaskim Onu. When we consider how great the Gedolim were in their Shlemus, we look at the last line. Now, as you look at the Chazanish, by the time he became the Chazanish, you don't look how he got there. We talk about their Shlemus. But you never talk about the struggles that they wage to get there. Right? In other words, it could be the Chazanish or whoever you want. You know, I mean, the Ramah, it doesn't matter who. They had issues and challenges when they were teenagers and older. You know, let's say they overcame them with a, what, what, not a pusher thing. And so everybody's got problems. And they made their mistakes and they stumbled. It's not that somebody was a perfect angel from the day he was born. You know, you could find that once in a while, but not, not usually. Hiroshim, but in other words, this is the result of the article biography. My footnote is complaining. Hiroshim shall sichosenu al gadol and miskabel kiliyotsu mitachas yadyotzer become Muslim and mitzvionism. The conversation, whenever the the the, uh, the Roshim, you know, the impression you get from hearing people talk about gadolim is you said they were they they, they were born that way. You see, hakol m'shuchar misochachim mispam reis al taras al loshen shal ba chavetz chaim. Everybody talks about how great the Chavetz Chaim was in the area of Lashon Har. Which basically means maybe the Chavetz Chaim was into Lashon Har once upon a time when he was young. Maybe. You know, maybe he had his share of sins. Until, you know, he made a mistake here. He, he, Nesiga, you know, he retreated there. Let's say he messed up. He, he, by the way, he's speculating, obviously. Let's say the Chavetz Chaim messed up here, messed up there, messed up there, messed up there. But then eventually got it right and overcame it and became the Chavetz Chaim and became the exemplar on the on the HR and the guy to, I mean, on the on the Lashon and the guy to everybody else. The result is, Kishanar Bal Ruach, Bal Shifa, to see some Mozart's Mechshon, be read us, Haridumbe, Kinan, Kivilti, Shosu, Beis Hashem. But you get the impression that Chavetz Chaim was a perfect little goody two-shoes from the time he was born. So therefore, I am 12 years old. I'm 15, 18 years old. I'm not like that. I'm a complete failure, and I shouldn't even go weiter. 
Yitzim Hatov Bebchinas Chadhu. Don't imagine, right, that all these Gedolim were born just with like the Yitzim Tov. Imagine all the Gedolim were born with a Yitzim and they had to fight against it. And they stumbled sometimes and messed up until they finally broke through and got it right. And when you hear, you feel inside of you, the Yitzim is raging, you ain't the only one. The others had it also. And, you know, they got it right, they got it wrong. Eventually, they got it right. And you too can do so. This is what he's quoting from Ralph Hutner, which I thought was very interesting. Right? That's very interesting. Uh, so when you talk about Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu wasn't born that way. Okay? He evolved that way. He emerged that way. By the time it's all over, he's Avram Avinu. But there are steps along the way. And there are times he got it right, and times he got it wrong. Especially if you go like Ramban, you know, he shouldn't have faked out with his wife in Egypt and all that sort of thing. Whatever the case is. Uh, now, my point today isn't to go after the bad things in Avram. They just think of Avram as a person. That's not all he was, but as a person. And it was just coming to me, I don't know why, you know, at the beginning of Ayera, it says, so Rashi says, because Mamre gave him the good advice about the meal and all that. Well, that's not the Bushup shot. That's a, that's an Agatha. Uh, why does it tell you? Knows why we hear the Abram hung around Mamre again and again, alienating Mamre. When the four kings attack the five kings, Abram is an alienating Mamre. It's interesting, you keep mentioning the honor Eshkel Mamre. Um, is, they're not Jewish, right? I mean, who can tell? If you go like the Rambam, the, 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 the Avram converted millions, you know I mean? He's an Uma Shlema, I mean, a, a huge number of people. But it doesn't seem to, you know, if, if you don't go like that, <laughs> obviously Avram had his people that he was a Maguire, whatever that means, you know, converted. But what's interesting, he had other people he didn't convert, but he got along with them anyway. Uh, you have Honor Eshkel Mamre, they're going, actually, from, they're from the Emori. So they're Canaanites. And yet, they met this guy, Avram. And totally aside from religious issues, because that's not all Avram was. Or maybe you might say like this, he was a very effective missionary uh, by not bringing up religion. <laughs> right? So let's put it this way. This guy named Avram shows up. He's got sheep and cattle and so on and so forth. And he was honest in business. And he was a good neighbor. And he went out of his way not to cause any trouble. And, you know, he didn't he didn't cause any trouble on the flight, <laughs> on the airplane, and try, didn't try to make a minchami in the middle of the aisle, you know, while they're serving dinner. You know, he was a good citizen. And they hung out with each other. Ad Kedekach, then when push came to shove, or let's put it this way, when you really needed a friend in need, now you need a friend indeed. They Taka showed up. And I'll tell you what I mean. They were with Avram's army when he fought the four kings. Now there are some who say, Rashi goes with this and others criticize Rashi with this. There are some who say that when Avram battled against the four kings, Honor Eshkel and Mamri were not there. They were holding the rear. 
Which is also something. According to that scenario, the four kings came down and devastated the Transjordan. Then they swung west, as I said the other day, into what's now the Dead Sea, but at that time was Sodom and Amur, and they devastated Sodom and Amur and sacked it. And then they marched forward, northward, up what we call today the Jordan Valley. Northward. So in other words, they never really went westward and attacked Mamre, El Elon and Mamre, even though it was nearby. But nevertheless, it was nearby. So Avram, let's put it this way. Honor Eshkel Mamre would say like this, Woo, we're lucky. Ducked a bullet. The armies went north. Right? The armies went north. They missed us. It's always like that in history. There comes some place where the battle stops. And five minutes away from that is safe. The trouble is to be there. You know what just happened at the Holocaust? i said it many times. If you know the history of World War II well, you'll know that there used to be two countries called Hungary and Romania. And Hitler occupied Hungary in '44. But he never did occupy Romania. It just so happens. I'm not going to give you the whole background, but that's what happened. And until he occupied it, they weren't sending the Jews to Auschwitz. Uh, they discriminated against them and so forth, but they weren't killing them. So you had two countries with, with together had a million and a half Jews, Hungary, Romania, and up to March of 44, the Jews there were not being hurt. Again, they were being uh, forced labor and this and that and the other, but they weren't being killed. Because Hitler wasn't occupying them with the German army. They were allied to Hitler, sincerely so. There were Hungarian and Romanian divisions in the German army fighting Russia. And everything was fine. So from the Jewish perspective, it was good. That's why the Belzerebi ran away in the middle of the war to Hungary. Um, but then things changed for various reasons, and Hitler occupied Hungary. But he never did occupy Romania, because the Hungarians were about to stab him in the back, and the Romanians never did. Now, that means, if you're a Hungarian Jew, you're screwed in 1944-45. That's unfortunately where they killed 50% of the Jews of Hungary. Right? If you're a Romanian Jew, you weren't. Like I say, there's a whole bunch of reasons and so forth. Just take it from me. The Russian army showed up. The Jews in Romania were not killed. Now, define Hungary and Romania. What do you mean define? Look on the map. Here's Hungary, here's Romania. Yeah, but Hitler, in 1940 or 41, gave an extra chalik to Hungary, like a finger sticking into Romania. Just Google the map if you're interested in World War II, what Hungary looked like. And it's bigger than Hungary today. And so they extended like I say, almost like a finger into Romania, where they had Hungarian-speaking people, because the Hungarians claimed that part of Romania really is Hungarian. Hitler was Macau. So the Jews there were screwed. They all got killed, or heavy numbers, including Sotmer, Kloisenberg, Ordea, all these other famous Jewish places. So that means that if you were living in that finger, like in Sotmer, the, 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 the Germans came and deported you and killed you. Send you to Auschwitz. 
if you lived a few miles to the south or so and so many miles to the north, not that far away, let's say if you live 20 miles south of something or 20 miles north or something like that, I don't know exactly. It wasn't Hungary, it was Romania. There they were not coming to kill you. So here's a shul and here's a shul. Here's the yeshiva, here's the yeshiva. In this place they came and killed them, deported them, in this place they didn't. So it shows you, you know, the for whatever reason, one of the killed the people in, in, in Satmar, not the people in Romania. It's crazy. So same thing over here. The four kings came up, but they never did go an extra 5, 10, 15 miles, whatever, to Mamre. Instead, they swung north to bring their uh, stuff to, to uh, back home, their booty. At that point, Honor Eshkel Mamre, from this, the Geisha perspective, so I guess, woo, that was a good one. But then Avram heard that Lot was captured, and Avram said, i got to do something about this. Now, Honor Eshkel Mamre could have said like this, look here, uh, don't get us in trouble. And I'm saying, you just moved here very recently. We're lucky we ducked this boat. What are you trying to get us in trouble? Especially when he said, I'm going to take on four kings. They had no man. He had at the most 300 men. But it's not true, is it? He says, they joined his army. Okay? They joined his army. Because he says later on to the king of Saddam, I don't want anything. Whatever was eaten by my soldiers. Miles 318. And whatever my allies took, my Bali bris, then I'm not depriving them. No, it's me, myself, and I, I don't want a penny from you. To heck with you. I don't need nothing from you. But I'm not going to be self-righteous. If Mamre took something, gold, so whatever, I'm not going to tell him, oh, you have to be super frog. Because he's not Jewish. <laughs> I'm Avram. So I have to act in a certain way. He doesn't have to act that way. And therefore they get to keep what they want. Which is just interesting. Now by the way. I gotta tell you this. Story gets even better. So notice let's put it this way. These were real friends. Forget the religious part. I mean real friends like this. It's like a cowboy movie. He says I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta go rescue my thing. I have to declare war on, on, on four kings. And these guys say like this, okay, we'll get our shotguns, count us in. His mom's like a cowboy movie. <laughs> you know, count us in. They were Bali Briss Avram. They, they, they put their thing with the line. They pulled out their uh, machine guns, took out their machetes, their bayonets, and they said, we're with you. That's a, that's a Bali Briss. That's a blood brother. You understand? Um, and, they, and they persevered. The Zohar, by the way, I just saw this today, says, <laughs> it's very funny. He said, Avram wasn't planning to, uh, uh, what's the right word, to wage a war against the four kings. Uh, it wasn't that crazy. But rather, he was going to buy him out. He came with a lot of money. Which is a very interesting svar. I saw it where in the, I think in the Man Lowe's. He says, is, have you ever heard this before? Uh, right? <laughs> but 
He was ready to pay. He's a rich guy. And in the Middle East, you capture people, you know, you, you ransom them out. Even today, in 2021, this applies. A couple years ago, it happened with the Yazidis in Iraq and so forth. So what happened? So in those honor Eshkel Mamre, they said, okay, we'll come you to, to ransom your relatives. But then, But when Avram saw Malachim, then he attacked. So let's put it this way. <laughs> I'm honor Eshkel Mamre. I'm not Avram. We're going to... And we're nice guys. We're coming with Avram to help schlep the gold and silver because he's going to negotiate to buy out Lot and his family. That's how they do business in the Middle East. All of a sudden, Avram said like this. Oh, I see angels. They said, well, we don't see nothing. <laughs> I see Malachim. We don't see anything. And these Malachim are assuring me that I can go and attack these guys and take them down. <laughs> At that point, under Eshkamamu, I guess, you've been having too much sunlight, you know, sunstroke. I thought this whole deal was a business venture. And Avram says, Aharai, and he charges. And they went with him. They went with him. Say, Mamish were allies of Avram. And these are the guys he hung out with. It's a, it's it's a, just interesting to me. You know? Um, they put the money where the mouth is. Now, it's a very complicated story, and I can't get to the bottom of it, simply because there's so many agatists that contradict each other. But there is a famous... Uh, I'll tell you how I understand it. Amrafel uh, uh, um, is supposed to be Nimrod. So it says that they... Uh, they went after the whole war was against Avram you know it makes no sense because they turned away from him but Avram when he saw Nimrod you know then he got angry <laughs> he said oh that's that's who captured Lot I'll take those guys down right? you're the guy who threw me in the furnace I'm taking these guys down in which case that's your own personal problem you know, you you, you want to make a point because Nimrod tried to kill you. He didn't try to kill us. But it's not true. They stuck with him. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is that means Avram really had a very tight relationship with these people who were not Jewish. They were a Mori. They were ethical people, obviously. They were honest people. His relationship with them, unless you say he's one of their garim, his relationship with them was one of, I'm Jewish, you're not, you're not Jewish, but we are good neighbors, as they say in America. And I'm 100% considerate of you and vice versa. And we can hang out and get along very well together. My religion is not identical to yours, but we can have a mutually beneficial relationship. If that's true, then the story of Abraham is a very interesting because he's evolving along the lines that I'm saying over here. He moved, he became a stranger from a foreign land, but he learned very quickly how to be a good neighbor. And he won. Um the positive feedback from the guy around him, which is not necessarily something that Avram's descendants do in later on in history down till today, right? Some are good citizens, some are exactly not. I will not go into details about this. Um, everybody knows what I'm talking about. But the, the Torah tell, takes the trouble to tell you here and there that Avram's relationship with Geisha neighbors. Atke Dekach Vayera Allah Hashem Abelone Mamri. 
when Avram has his, his highest hisgalus so far, at the beginning of today's parsha, Vayeri um, love Hashem b'elim memory means they, you know, he he he's now going to get a a uh, vision or some level of understanding the nature of God which he didn't have before, and of course that's about you know uh, he's going to have a baby and so on and so forth. Uh, you know the three angels. For some reason, the Torah takes the trouble to say it happened to Elohim Mamre. I would like to think, I'm just guessing over here, that when Avram was hanging around Elohim Mamre, he was totally chilled. He could, he could, he could, is relaxed and uh, mellow in a way that's necessary for Nevuah, because Nevuah you don't get unless you're in a, a relaxed, chilled state, uh, simchadik, you know. I don't know what the right word is because I never experienced it. But this farm talking about the fact can't be tense, can't be nervous, can't be sad, can't be depressed, can't be angry. This he found, so the antithesis of that, he found with his Gaisha friends in Alien Mamri, which is interesting. Uh, obviously, didn't, the, the Chazal didn't occur to him this way. Therefore, they they put in the story that Amri told him to have the, the, the bris milah. But if you put that story aside, the push, it sounds like there's a pashtas. They want to say, sure, by Yerilov Hashem, and where would something like this happen? Oh, it would happen, you know, so basically what we're saying is, Abram found peace and quiet. And uh, the necessary uh, tools to have a, a personal aliyahs in a Gaisha neighborhood. It's funny. Not far from Sodom. <laughs> and so we have juxtaposed almost geographically two types of Goyim, A and B. Yeah, the bad ones were personified by Sodom and Amor and Admans William. But not too far away, you have the good ones, which are Honor Eshko Mamri. Hey Bali Bisava. And they proved it in the war. Um it's interesting that in next week's Parsha when they talk about Shaduchim, Avram considered marrying Yitzhak to them, but then he said, well, they're cursed or something like that. At the end, their personal character, and even their daughter's personal character, because they say the daughters were, or Tzadik, Tzadik, Tzitanios, uh, wasn't enough. He needed Yichas. So it's very, you know, Hasidish over here. But that's what they say. But meanwhile, Vayira Lev Hashem was the only memory. The Dafka happened by memory. Now, um, I'm thinking this because, first of all, it's interesting in and of itself. Uh, second of all, many people have experienced this. Uh, I, I wish it wasn't so, but they might find a better situation with the Mamri's of the world than with their neighbors who are Israel Hemo. Thirdly, it's it's interesting when when Avram, in a very unusual way, describes to the king Avimelech. Later in Bayera, uh why he lied or said she's a sister. So he says something that's very, very difficult to explain. It's a famous nut, hard to crack. And um, in, in, in Chaf. And, um, you know, he says she is really my sister, whatever. But then he said, 
Wherever we go, let's pretend you're my brother. Say I'm your brother. But how do you say it? The Hebrew is so difficult. Hisu is from Lashon Toa. Toa means to wander aimlessly, be lost. Um, at least that's the Pashim shot. You look elsewhere in the Tanakh, they talk, Toa Bederch HaChayim. Yeah? Toa Basada. You don't know where you're going. You're, 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 uh, you don't have a derech in life. When God made me wander aimlessly from my father's house? Uh, what's that all about? It was bad that Hashem took him out? Why does it say, Why does it say, Why does it say, Why does it Why does it say, Why does it say, that the Uncleus, real in one of those radical surgery Uncleuses, completely revamps the Pasuk. And he says, Which means, when the Goyim erred, they were towed, they went off the derech, regarding the work of their hands, meaning, when the Goyim uh, worshipped idols, his ooh, when they went off the derech, even though the Ivrit doesn't exactly work, but so what? Um, O.C. Elohim Ibezavi. So, God was makar of me. You, you hear the problem, right? Katol amamai basav di yidei, huh? Yossi kar vashem ledechaltim Ibezava. Vahikashir hisu. So when the world went off the derech, O.C. Elohim Ibezavi. Hashem took me out of my father's house and rescued me. Uh, even Rashi says he's going a little bit too far because Rashi says, Uncle is Tirgan, Masha Tirgan. But you can explain it differently. But Rashi ain't so hatsitatsi either. Um, there is no easy way to explain this passage. At least not that I know of. Um, and, you know, Hebrew-wise, uh, yeah, a lot of mafarshim, well, you know, inside you going, whatever, you know, you, unless you say hisu means something different every year. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, and it leads you, at least leads me, to the Medish Rabbah, which even at the time of Chazal, they were saying we're going crazy with this. And it's a very interesting Medish Rabbah. Halavai Nidrish Hadin Kroy at Klaus Hopping Benepigari. We don't have a good shot of this. Halavai that we can explain in three separate ways and fulfill our obligations towards this Pusik. Meaning, this is something that's uh, very difficult. And I can think of three ways of explaining it. Uh, and that's and, and it's still insufficient. One is Bashasha Bikshumas Olam Lizavig Lizdavigli Achani Bebe Savig Niskai Malaya Kashbahu. So by Hikashir Hisuosi, when the guy tried to kill me, that's what he wants to say. Hisu means if I fear me off the derech in the sense of physically kill me. Uh, Elohim mi At that time, God saved me from in in my father's house. I I understand the problem, but I'm just telling you. 
Uh, my favorite uh, commentary on uh, Medishraba is always um, that guy, what's his name? Uh, Merkin. Uh, I like Delsa the Fatar, but Merkin. And uh, for various reasons. Even though he's a little quirky. No question about it. And he says, um, When the guy wanted to leave me off the derch of the world, meaning as a poetic way of saying, kill me, Nimrod Bikish Lisrufusi, this kind of like Kashbarcha Bodhi Beisabi. Hitsu Osi Behira Shukayam. Savahi Kashir Hitsu Osi Elohimi Beisabi. I knew there was a God already from the time I was in my father's house because he saved me my life from the fiery furnace. That's one shot. And when the guy wanted to be Mas Emi, right? That I find very fascinating. I mean, I don't like what Merkur or anybody else has to say with it. Listen to the language. And this has to do with what I've heard this thing I said at the beginning. When the guy wanted to leave me off the derech, God said, get out of here. It sounds like there were times when Avram was having spakes about his own beliefs even after he was emerged from the fiery furnace. But, you know, everybody came down on him and said this and said that. And, you know, when you're going against everybody, it sounds easy to say that Avram is on one side of the world and everybody else on the other side of the world. That's how he eventually emerged. But he had, like, crisis of faith, crisis of confidence. And that's when Hashem said, like a mashkir would say to a boy, change your rooms. <laughs> They're bad roommates. Get out of here, right? Lech lecha, which is a fascinating thing. Uh, and finally, thirdly, and when the Goyim of the world wanted to themselves depart from the ways of Hashem, which probably means the uh, the Tower of Babel, so Hashem brought Hashem and to give him a warning. But the second one sounds like Avram had his issues. And wasn't a champion of faith all the time. By the time you get to our parsha, he's a different person. And Hashem can already say, "Now I'm going to show you what I have in, in store for you," which you weren't ready, you weren't mesugal to hear until before that. But now you are. But this is after Avon's undergone all these troubles and you know crises. Uh, but he's reached. Uh, what's the right word, you know, uh, a safe place. He's in Israel with three friends who admire him and are loyal to him and won't stab him in the back the opposite. They're willing to risk their lives for him with him in his wars. The fakers are gone and now Hashem can say, right, when I told you, now I'm going to explain because you didn't even have children back then. I'm going to reveal to you now Bolster with Yitzhak and the whole plan. And, uh, you know, you didn't know about it, but from now on, you're going to know about it. So, in my mind, you see a very interesting evolution in the uh, development of Avram, in which his three friends who are not even Jewish play a major part, right? For some reason, the Torah only hints at it, but they go through this mischievous way of always saying, well, this happened, 
when he was hanging around Mamre. Um, I don't know. I think that's what it is. Anyway, I've gone long enough. Don't want to make it too long. So with this, I hope I've given you some food for thought. Uh, take a look at that medish. It's the most interesting in this week's Parsha. And with that, I want to thank, once again, the Glucks. And I hope the Nisham was the pan should have an aliyah. And I wish everybody have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.